everyone, and welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your home for basketball in WA, with an inside look at the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx, and WA basketball throughout the 2021-22 seasons. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper, and throughout the year, I'll be joined by a host of guests to provide you with as much insight and entertainment as your basketball brain can handle. In this episode, we'll be joined by Perth Wildcats guard, Kevin White, as he combines being in career-best form with being away from his family throughout this stint on the other side of the country. Then, former Perth Lynx coach and basketball WA Hall of Famer, Andy Stewart, will give his thoughts on the club's opening game of the season, Marina Mabry's stunning impact, and their brutal fixture. It was a weekend of two performances by American star shooters, which made you stand up and say, wow. Sometimes we take Bryce Cotton for granted and just expect him to be amazing, but his 19 points during the second quarter against Cairns was more than any other player managed for the entire match. Cotton achieved that in just 6 minutes and 17 seconds. Oh, and he threw in an assist and two steals along the way. Fair portion of the game for him. The Wildcats trailed by 14 points as he took his first shot. They led by three when he nailed his 19th point and went on to win 84-78. to Then on Sunday, Perth Lynx import Marina Mabry was hitting threes from the car park. We often guess when it comes to long-range basketball shots, but South Australia's Lights Community and Sports Centre has a volleyball court marked out on the basketball court, so we can actually check where the lines are so we know where she was. And we know that the volleyball line is 3 metres from half court, which makes it 11 metres from the basket and she tied scores with 19 seconds remaining on the clock while more than 10 metres from the basket and she did the same thing in the first half. But it was no avail as Perth lost by two points. And now we can move on to our guest for this week from the Perth Wildcats, it is this man. Steindl out for Kevin White. He shot the ball with confidence right throughout this playoff series. Two minutes and 30 seconds left. The defence went to sleep and Kevin White made them pay. Yes, he is a veteran of almost 300 NBL games, was outstanding during last season's grand final series and has been a vital part of the Perth Wildcats winning start to the season. Kevin White, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys having me on. You're four months away from turning 35 and you're in your your 11th NBL season yet. I reckon you could argue that you're in career best form at the moment. Career high minutes and assists. Uh, Your points per game has only been higher once. What's the secret to the way you're playing this season? Um, To be honest, I've uh, probably staring down the barrel of retirement has kind of made me realise that um, life's a bit too short to kind of worry about too much. So... I think um, taking a page out of Jesse Wagstaff's book and um, just relaxing and playing basketball and having fun with it rather than being so stressed about results. And uh, I think that's kind of been what I've learned and something I wish I could go back and kind of relax and relax a little more um, when I was younger. would have been nice to kind of... Hindsight's a beautiful thing. And uh, I think I've found probably the right formula for how I enjoy playing the game and how I want to play the game uh, late in my career. So, so Jesse's probably the most relaxed athlete that I've ever met. Uh, when you get involved <laughs> with someone like that, uh, is it easy to just to, to say, oh, you've won umpteen championships, maybe I should be a bit more like that? Yeah, I think um, it's probably not just the relaxed way he goes about it, it's the work he does as well. Um, Jesse's probably the, the guy that is in the gym the most, um, on the court shooting the most and probably putting in the most time in film as well and it's no surprise 
getting here in the last couple of years and being around him that why he's had success, why he's been a part of such a successful program and um, why he continues to just, I think, surprise people. But, um, you know, what I see him do behind the scenes that no one else sees is um, probably second to none in anyone else, with everyone else in this league. You spoke last season about how Bryce Cotton pulled you aside at one stage and said, Oi, shoot the ball more because I'm giving you the ball and you're in space. And you're like, but you're the superstar. I'm meant to give the ball to you. Um, do, do, does it, do you look at it and think, well, yeah, it's, it's very different over here. They, they play genuine team basketball for success. And it's not as much about the individual and worrying about how you're going. Is that a big difference? Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's massive. I mean, you know, uh, Trev used to talk about it all the time in terms of people making plays other than Bryce because, there's so many. I've never been on a team where you receive so many crazy different looks from opposition defenses, and that's kind of what you have to do to try and surprise Bryce a little bit. He's that good that he's kind of seen everything around the world um, and where he's played. But at the same time, for his teammates, you know, when people are just running away from you to go guard him once you made a pass, it's a bit surprising at first. Um, but then when, you know, you kind of sit down and look at film and, and have the confidence that your teammates give you, it makes it a lot easier to play uh, in this system and just enjoy that, you know, you know that teams have got to focus on Bryce. If they don't, he's going to go for 40 or 30 and, and that's fun to watch. But at the same time, you're going to get some shots as well. Athletes crave stability with game plans and coaches and, and just life, I reckon, because it makes everything so much simpler. You're on your fourth coach in four years. Um, it's fair to say that, it, that yeah, you've been thrown different looks, different ideas, different suggestions of how, how to play, different personalities as well, different game plans. How do you approach that? Yeah, I think um, probably throughout my career, I, I sat with Wags um, early on in this preseason and we were talking about you know, the change of coaching. It's He's only ever had it happen once in his career. Um, I think this is the ninth or eighth coach I've had in the NBL. Um, the longest I was ever under anyone was four years at Bevo. Apart from that, I've been had a different coach every year. So it's one of those things where as an athlete, I think I've always been kind of prepared for it. Um, and it was a little different for Wags, but it was also, I think, a breath, breath of fresh air. Um, to not be in the same kind of grind and routine of um, going through another one of Trev's pre-seasons that he'd done seven or eight times. So, um, you know, it's different, It, um, but it's also kind of exciting. And like I said, it was a breath of fresh air for a few guys to have Scott come in and just change things up a little. Um, that's not to say they didn't enjoy what Trev did um, because they had so much success. I think any of them would take any, any, any year with Trev um, again. Um, but just a bit of change and a bit of breath of fresh air has uh, been nice for a few of the guys. It's interesting that Scott mentioned during a press conference uh, a couple of weeks back that Jesse Wagstaff's ability to be in the the, the, what, the best player on court with plus-minus at the end of uh, every game stood out to him. And yeah, the plus-minus, for people who may not be aware, is how many what the difference is in the score when you're actually on the court. But when you look at the players across the league and where they rank, Jesse's ranked second in the league for plus-minus, Bryce is third, and you're eighth out of the entire league at the moment. So it feels like Scott's game style suits you with the way you play as well. Yeah, it has. I think um, it, it's going to take a while. We've still got some pieces coming back in. I think Nordo's like, played his first game last week. Um, you know, Mike has only played a couple games. We had Todd for a game and then he gets injured. Hodgie's only just got back in as well. So, um, you know, there, 
you know, there might be some more teething problems to come um, as this thing starts to really roll and, and all the pieces start to come back. But it's enjoyable to be a part of it. Um, it's enjoyable to be a part of a, a group that doesn't judge um, anything you do. We have harsh words and, and you hold people accountable when you need to. Um, but at the same time, it's just fun to be playing basketball and a style of basketball that's enjoyable. Um, and, it, and it allows everyone to just kind of play to their strengths. Um you know, Scott wants people to shoot the ball. Um, he wants people to be aggressive and try and score. And um, at the same time, it, it's kind of my job is to put people in spots to be successful. Um, you know, kind of just try and find a matchup or find matchups that are favourable to us and exploit those and try and just exploit them as much as we can. And I feel like when Jesse's on the floor, um, he does a great job of making reads um, in the bigs position you know, to help exploit those matchups as well. And, you know, defensively, it's it's just something that's always been kind of natural to me. Um, that's not to say I've been great all year. And I think that Cairns game, the start of the Cairns game, was a bit surprising to a few of us. Um, but at the same time, there was a group of guys that we were able to get on the floor and actually claw that back. And it's, you know, it's fun when basketball's played that way. How much fun is it being on Bryce Cotton's team instead of guarding him like you did for a long time? Oh. It is the best feeling in the world. And I think even some days I get to training and I look at him and I'm like, are we taking it easy today or are we going at it? And he'll just shake his head and I'm like, oh, no, not another day like this. <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny when you think you about it, on. isn't it? Like, it's ridiculous yeah. that you had him as an opponent for so long and now you're belting up against him the entire time during training. Yeah, and it's, and you know, like I kind of spoke about with Jesse, to see the work that Bryce does was... I think the other day he made something like 78 straight threes and Scott yelled at him from the other side of the court and uh, and he missed one and he's just shaking his head and guys are like, like, like kind of stand there laughing but Bryce is generally annoyed that he had made so many shots in a row and someone yelled at him. But um, to see the body of work that he does on the floor and the time he's putting in, you know, just to the group, um, you know, and being able to make this thing because, you know, most guys would think that Bryce would just, you know, I'm the superstar, I'll, I'll just take it easy, um, you know, kind of let everyone bow down to him. But, um, you know, the stuff that he does in pulling people aside, you know, yesterday was an optional shooting day and him and I shot for half an hour, 40 minutes and just stood there talking for the next 25 or 30. Um, there's not many imports that do that around the league. And um, I think, you know, what he's done already and what he's going to continue to do is, kind of second to none in terms of imports in this league as well. We've got to go back to that 78, 78 shots in a row because that's an amazing tally. Like, what was going on? Was everyone else just stopping and watching him at, at that point? Or, or were we all, did some people notice and some people not? Like, what was the situation? Take us through some it. Got, so we make however many, you know, you have your little shooting segments and make however many in a row or shoot however many shots. And some guys had finished their shooting. Other guys... Uh, was still shooting and there was just a group of us watching him. I think him and Jesse were still going. They do some shooting comp stuff after training um, most days. And um, I was standing there with my jaw probably on the floor at the fact that it was 78. And they were all 78 were like clean, like straight net. There wasn't any ring involved. It was just 78 of the cleanest threes you've ever seen. And then for Scott to yell out and tell him that he's got film, which probably surprised him as well. Um, the coach is yelling at him mid-shooting. Um, you know, it's just an 
another day in the life of Bryce, really. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in a different universe to everyone else. I, he didn't play, obviously, during the, the Grand Final Series last year, and that was where you had your big moment, um, where you, you just stood out 10 points in Game 1, 12 in Game 2, 14 in Game 3. When you reflect on that now, how important was it to have a personal big moment in a big final series where, you go, where you're saying to everyone, you know, I can really play this game when, I give, when I'm given the opportunities to be on court for an extended period. Yeah, um, I don't really look at it like that. And probably having the amount of time I did at home with my family, my partner kind of called me during the playoffs and was like, because we was, had spent a bit of time apart, um, she was still in Wollongong and we were obviously over in Perth. And she was kind of a bit struck for words and didn't really know what to say and she's like geez I didn't even think you could play like that anymore and and it kind of surprised me a little bit as well when she said that Um, but at the same time that's kind of been stuff that I've done at training throughout the year and it was just the opportunity arose and that's what I know from being a wildcat and from playing the wildcats for so many years that you know um, you know the game I continue to talk about is an Illawarra game we had probably six years ago and I think four of the five starters were missing. Um, two bench guys were out. They suited up eight people and two of them being development players. And we're thinking, here we go, it's our chance to beat Perth. And they ended up coming out and beating us by 26 or something like that in Illawarra. And that just stands out to me as what Perth basketball has always been, what I've always known it to be and, and what goes back generations for the Wildcats history and I think that's pretty special and in that moment that's all I could think of I wasn't thinking about myself I was just thinking about the Wildcats and what they they're about um, what they've been about and, and wanting to be kind of a little bit of part of that now I would also trade all three of those games and the way I played for uh, two wins and a chance to to have a crack at a at the championship um, at, say it was two all or you know just to take that to a fifth game but at the same time you know I'll probably take me a few years to kind of sit down and be happy with the way I played because I don't think I did enough to to win um, a championship which is what we were setting out to do you mentioned your, your partner before is it wife or partner uh, fiance, fiance. we've been trying to get married for two and a half years, and COVID continues to, to mess with that. <laughs> yeah, well, we had Mitch Norton on. He reckons it's going to be six years before he gets his his um, wedding finally done. But today, it's it's Tuesday, the day we're recording this, and it's your son's third birthday. You're in a different state to him. That must be pretty tough. Yeah, not easy. Obviously, you want to be around for those little things, and um, it just, yeah, I mean, we were meant to be on the road anyway, I think, when the original draw came out, so we were away anyway. I was expecting that, but, um, you know, obviously just the state regulations and state government government mandates just make it a little more, a little tougher for people to be able to be with families during these times, and for us, probably more so than than ever, it's uh, probably a little more testing because we don't really know when we're going to be able to come home, so it sucks. But it is what it is. Um, it's one of those things that you know my fiance and I, Rach and I, sat down with in the off season and kind of said, "Look, this is something we may have to deal with. We don't want to, but we were willing to make the sacrifice to come back and play for the Wildcats, chase and get back what we believe is ours in an NBL championship." And, you know, and this is the sacrifices that you make. And as hard as it is, you know, at the end of the the end of the season, if we're holding up the championship trophy and we're we're putting another banner in the rafters, it'll all be worth it. What's it like in, in Tassie at the moment uh, where you're setting up? Tell us about your accommodation and how you're approaching the COVID challenges uh, and just trying to deal with life as, as you move around the country at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Like Hobart's nice. I spent a bit of time here playing in um, Siebel a few years ago and we're in a 
great part of Hobart. We're in Salamanca, um, down on the water. It is a little difficult to, to kind of navigate your way around the COVID stuff um, just because different states have different mandates and then the NBL have also put different regulations on what we can do when you're moving state to state or wherever you are. And we've also sat down as a team and kind of and just spoken about the risk involved in us being very active outside our, our team kind of set up and team rules. I don't think anyone wants to be the person that brings it into the group. I don't think anyone wants to be the person that um, locks everyone indoors for a week or two weeks or however long it is if we um, someone does does get it. I, I think it is inevitable that it'll happen to the group, but it's just about trying to prolong that and stay as safe as possible for as long as we can because we haven't travelled yet as well. Um, and we do have a couple of New South Wales trips coming up that could really throw that into a spin because we can be as careful as possible. But the people around us, and as we've seen in New South Wales, we're kind of running a bit rampant over there and who knows what happens. So it's nice where we are. The hotels are good. Everyone's in their own individual rooms, big living rooms, kitchens. Uh, bedrooms, all the washing facilities and stuff were here. Very similar to the hub last year, but um, yeah, it's just different situation because COVID is actually everywhere over on the East Coast and, and we're uh, kind of in the thick of it a little bit in Hobart where there's 400 or 500 cases a day. Um, just trying to stay as safe as possible, really. So social distancing is always important. You've got Adelaide this week and uh, you and Dusty Hannah didn't, didn't really understand the concept of social distancing the last time you met when you are in Tasmania. You were no Knows, take us back to that moment. Yeah, just uh, obviously just something that happens on court. I think he's a good player. He's been playing pretty well recently and and doing a good job for them. So I mean, one of the things I've always found managed to do is confront someone in the, or rub someone the wrong way uh, on court and kind of uh, being able to take advantage of a matchup, um, whether that's to my ability and try to take away something of theirs. And used to be Jerome Randall, used to be one of the, the guys that I really loved playing and, and just kind of trying to get under their skin or, or rub them the wrong way in terms of taking away from their game plan. And I don't know if I managed to do that because I got thrown out of the game and Dusty went on to score 13 points in that game in the last quarter. So I don't know if that's a good thing, but we're uh, embracing the challenge of going to Adelaide this weekend and hopefully getting another win and just continuing to build um, and strive for perfection in a, in a basketball game, which is very difficult. But, um, you know, that's what we want. Adelaide haven't played since December 18 because of the COVID situation that they've been facing. It's an, it's an, extraordinary, it's an extraordinary gap when you think about it. Now, you experienced some of the quarantine issues last year. Is it difficult to prepare properly when you, your training's impacted, your ability to go out? to the shops is impacted like do you, do you think they'll notice it once they get back on court yeah I'm not sure to be honest I, th- I think this year's a bit different where like uh, we haven't even heard to be brutally honest we don't we weren't even sure if the game was going ahead we weren't sure if we were playing Adelaide where we were going um, it was just kind of floating in the calendar that we could be going there so we don't really know what they've done last year we were lucky enough when we got to quarantine that the WA government helped us out and, and set up the facility and that kind of roped it all off and we could get in there and train during that stint we had early in the season. So it is difficult. Um, at the end of the day, every team's going to have their challenges and I don't think anyone's going to relax and take it easy because some teams struggled with COVID and haven't played since December 18. Um, we want to win. They want to win. And at the end of the day, it's our livelihoods that are on the line start losing games. So, you know, I don't think any of us will be taking it any easier because we're going to Adelaide and they've been in quarantine or they've been locked down. So who knows? Uh, I guess we'll just see what happens when the ball gets thrown up and... Uh, 
um, yeah, just looking forward to the battle and the challenge, and and it's exciting that we get to play another game. We haven't had that haven't had that uh, luxury of games just rolling around freely right now. So yeah, it certainly has been a difficult fixture, and we never know what's going to happen. There there will be more changes that the NBL will announce in the coming days as we understand more about what the COVID fixture does look like. Now, if we go to the dribble MVP votes from last week, we gave one vote to Vic Law for his seventeen points, six rebounds, two steals, and a block. Two votes to Luke Travers. Scott Morrison said he's a jack of all trades and he certainly showed that with 10 points, five rebounds, two assists, three steals and four blocks. But it was three votes to Bryce Cotton for his dominant performance, 29 points, six assists, three rebounds and he's 19 points in the second quarter. Well and truly stole the show. Now, Kev, on this Dribble podcast, we have a segment called This or That. You can't sit on the fence. You have to give an actual answer. And we saw key moments late in the final quarter in recent games where the possession arrow has come into play. Sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't with possession arrow. In stalemates, what would you like the rule to be? Would you like it to stay as possession arrow or do you prefer a jump ball? No, I love the jump ball. Um, yeah, I just it's always been something that I've enjoyed. Not that I'm that athletic and that if I, I get in a jump, I'm probably waiting for them to tap and tap it and trying to find the closest man to try and steal it. But um, yeah, I love the old school jump ball, possession arrow. You know, you can work as hard as possible to get the ball and it's just handed to the other team um, and they get it back in a tie-up. Um, I just I think the old school jump ball is something that, to be brutally honest, I'm not even sure why the reasoning was behind taking it away. If you're able to tie someone up, I feel like throwing it up and having an advantage for two guys to compete for it is a healthy thing. It doesn't slow the game down any different to actually taking the ball to sideline and throwing it in. Yeah, so that's my opinion. I would love to see it brought back in, but I doubt that'll happen. Hey, Brent. Well, look, thank you very much for your time, Jake. We really appreciate it. Hope the uh, the Zoom call or the FaceTime call or whatever you end up doing for your son's birthday goes really well and we look forward to watching you continuing to perform well for the Wildcats for the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Thank you very much and uh, stay safe over there and we'll see you soon. And now it's time to enter the lair. The Perth Lynx opened their season with an 88-86 to loss to Adelaide on Sunday. Perth looked like world beaters at times, especially at the start of the first and third quarters. They led by 14 points in the first quarter and 15 in the third, but Adelaide pulled back both of those leads. And despite leading by six points with about five minutes to play, Perth couldn't nail a shot as Adelaide stormed home. Import Marina Mabry was breathtaking with 30 points and multiple three-pointers from the car park. Marina Mabry has turned plenty of heads on debut and she puts them back within two. Oh, are you kidding me? Marina Mabry putting on a three-point shooting clinic. Mabry again! You're kidding me! Marina Mabry introduces herself to the WNBL like nobody we've ever seen. One man who was watching the game with intent was Andy Stewart, who is the coaching games record holder at the Perth Lynx. He's the last person to lead the club to a grand final, and he was inducted into the Basketball WA Hall of Fame in August. Andy Stewart, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Thanks, Craig. Great to be here. Tough loss for the Lynx. What did you make of it from their first game? Oh, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty impressive uh, first outing. Um, you know, just to go 86 points on the board... Um, when everybody else has had, you know, multiple games to get themselves ready. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good start. How long do you reckon it takes to get everyone up to speed when you don't have the ability to play practice matches against similar opposition? They've played against NBL1 teams, but they haven't been playing against players in genuine practice matches. So what's the length of time it will take to build match fitness, do you reckon? Well, match fitness is... Um, 
is is weird. I think I don't know that anybody's actually ever really nailed down how many games it would ever take. But but you really want two or three games, um, you know, good preseason games under your belt. But even in a preseason game. You know, it's never quite the same. So, you know, I would imagine that most teams are, are hitting a good a fitness level, you know, three, four, five games into the season. And that's the advantage that these teams have over the Lynx in that they've been going for that long and the, and the Lynx haven't been. So they, Ryan Petrick basically kept his starting five on for the majority of the game. They all played more than 30 minutes. And then he's got to look at how he does his rotations. Teams are coming back all the time. So it wasn't a simple game to coach with. How difficult is it to work out those rotations early in a season where you're looking at the bench going, I want to bring some of you on, but the scoreboard doesn't necessarily allow me to at the moment? Well, he sort of did. I mean, he experimented with the bench. I can't recall. It was either late in the first or early in the second. Um, but then the score, you know, came back uh, relatively closely. So, so see, oh, you, you can't blame him for, um, you know, wanting to go with his first five or six, um, his first five or six players. Um, you know, but in the preseason games or early in the season, everybody's on the same footing. And uh, that, that's the uniqueness about this season. Obviously, we've never witnessed anything like it. We saw Marina Mabry come out and just play some unbelievable basketball. She looks like a serious player, and we knew she was going to be talented, but I don't think we expected to see the sort of shooting that she provided. How, how damaging can she be in this league if she can continue to shoot like that? Well, the, the, it's, it's not just the shooting. It's the range that she was up from. And, um, and when you think you're combining her with Sam Whitcomb, um, the ability to spread the floor for this group is, is going to be phenomenal. Uh, very impressive uh, the first half. 20 points at halftime, I think she had. Um, yeah, it would certainly shake the foundations of a, of a number of other of number of other teams is if they know that the Lynx are going to be able to put points on the board. And, um, you, you know, 86 points in your first outing, it's pretty good. It's interesting when you look at Alana Smith was fantastic for the Lightning. So was Steph Talbot, both coming from the WNBA back to Australia. Sammy Wickham had a really good game. Marina Mabry was dominant. Jackie Young was quite good as well. It, it feels like the, the players who have had the advantage of playing full seasons in the WNBA are a step ahead of the ones who have experienced the lockdown dramas of not necessarily playing in Australia. Did, do you see a gap between, an even bigger gap between the, the ones who have been playing in America and the ones who have been back over here than, than what it would normally be? Well, I don't know. Uh, look, when you look at um, Smith's first couple of games, you, you wouldn't have thought that. I think she's coming into into good form now, just in this last couple of weeks. But I, I definitely wouldn't have thought that in the first, um, first couple of games. She got into quick foul trouble. Um you know, and, and she didn't really have an impact. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I think we've, we, you know, the Lynx have uh, have got her on a on a very good day, and she's running into some good form. You coached Sammy Wickham when she entered the WNBL, and she was just hoping for an opportunity. Then she's now a superstar. Uh, you, when you look at her now, how has she changed as a player from when you coached her last uh, 2018 season to when she's come back now? And she's had some different roles in America, and she's no longer just a three-point shooter, is she? 
Absolutely not. And that's sort of the thing. I, look, I honestly think that she started to change while she was in the NBL. Um, you know, she was such a good three-point shooter when she first uh, came in. But she developed a skill, uh, the ability to get to the hoop, um, you know, pretty early in her NBL career. And, and she she had to, you know, and, and she did a great job of it. Um, but now you look at her and you think, oh, you're, you're, a, you're a solid defender, you're a, you're a good passer, you're a good leader, um, you know, a great three-point shooter. Um, she's, she's just a real competitor, you know, and a couple of steals she got uh, where she read the play so well. Um, she, she's turned into, you know, can we say it, that classic all-round uh, player. And I love, I'm so happy for her uh, to think, you know, right at the start of that time, uh, she didn't even know if she was going to play NBL. And, and now to be, you know, in the Australian uh, team and playing in the NBA, it's just a real credit to her. Talk us through what your thoughts were when you are watching that last play. A couple of seconds to go. They're two points down. Jackie Young was inbounding the ball, and they had to work out that she had a couple of different options on the floor which she could have gone to for Marina or Sammy, and then the last gasp decision was to lob it to Lauren Scherf to try to tie the scores. She, she, they're obviously working through some different scenarios. How did you view it when you're watching that game? Well, uh, you look... It's. I'm not on the bench, and, and I don't know what, um, what what they're running and what the discussion is. So it's pretty hard from a distance. I don't know if they are running um, Mabry and Whitcomb as misdirection so that they can throw the lob. That uh, was a possibility. And look, the pass was only a uh, you know a foot or so out. Um, but the the thing is that. Those last second plays right at this point, uh, they wouldn't have been a big you – know, look, he, Ryan would have a couple up his sleeve and they would have worked on a few. But the main thing would have been, you know, can we get the majority of the game together, um, you know, our fitness, our, our coordination during the game. And any time that they could have spent on that would have been an absolute bonus. So it's just a shame that it came down to the, to the last shot. It's interesting for them from here. I actually find their schedule appalling. They flew from South Australia to Victoria on Monday, and they've got 900 kilometres of driving to do for the next four games. They're based in the country town of Ballarat. They play in Dandenong and Terrelgan this week, which are on the other side of Melbourne, head back to Ballarat uh, for the, the following week, and then where they'll, where they'll practice uh, and, and train and stuff. And then they go to Bendigo, which is north of, the, of them, and then back to Ballarat again. You've done the Bendigo to Dandenong trip, which is pretty ordinary. What do you make of this schedule where they going all around the countryside mate the one that we did was was child's play compared to this wasn't it i mean this is uh that's just crazy it's just crazy i just hope that um that uh they can get some uh you know some of the bench on the floor you know if the the top five are going to play over 30 minutes each game it's going to be a very tough ask uh to be able to drive like that and then play that many minutes and then do it again uh, night after night. Uh, it's, it's a very tough ask. You know, look, I mean, we, we had some horrible uh, scheduling um, back a few years ago, but at least we were sitting in a plane, um, you know, and, and um, moving to a hotel room sort of thing. I mean, sitting in a car for hours, it's going to be draining. It's going to be a real um, 
you know, make or break for them uh, from a from a team perspective as well. You know, you just hope that um, they get on great, and um, you know, uh, whoever's in charge of the uh, the, the the music uh, in in, I presume they'll be getting around in vans. Um, you know, I just hope they'll get on. Do you think that the players will be a bit shocked by it? Like, it's one thing to be told you're going to be playing playing in regional Victoria. It's another thing to actually look at the map and realise where you're going. I doubt they would have looked at the map, and I reckon they, they've been for a bit of a shock. Would you agree that they may not understand the gravity of what they're about to go through? Oh, look, I think um, I think the majority of the players would have a bit of a fair idea. I don't know about the imports, but um, still, they at college would have done travelling all across the uh across their country as well um it's a, it's a tough ask and when you're asking you know six foot two six foot three uh bodies to wrap themselves up and sit in a sit in a van or a bus for long periods of time um it's just not great recovery and um it'll be a real test now if we go to the dribble mvp votes from last weekend i've given one vote to darcy garbin whose ability to hit key shots at key times when the team desperately needed it was so important she finished with 15 points and three steals two votes to sammy wickham who didn't necessarily shoot the ball well but her 13 points was combined with seven assists and her three steals were extremely damaging and it was no contest for the three votes with marina mabry 30 points seven three-pointers five rebounds four assists and two steals it was a dominant performance and he tells what you're doing at the moment? What are you up to at the moment from a basketball perspective? Wow! Um, look, I'm I'm enjoying coaching um, coaching kids. You know, it's school holidays at the moment. There's a few kids um, back from the uh, Centre of Excellence. We're doing some some work with them, and um, you know, I run a couple of school programs. Uh, so we're getting uh, ready for them and running a couple of off season. Um, uh, you know, camps and that sort of stuff and just in enjoying, um, you know, working with uh, young kids. Uh, there's some real talent in Western Australia at this point in time and and I don't know how the numbers stack up, but I know that there's a number of uh, kids uh, from Perth now um, at the Centre of Excellence um, or making Australian junior squads and it's quite exciting to see. Certainly, is. the amount of talent that's coming through is quite amazing from WA, which, which is great for the sport. Now, we have a segment on the dribble called This or That. You can't sit on the fence. You've got to come out with an actual answer. And we've seen key moments in several games this season, both in the WNBL and the NBL, where possession arrow has come into play. When a stalemate occurs like that, what would you like the rule to be? Possession arrow, or did you prefer when it was a jump ball? Jump ball. And why? Well, you could set a strategy around it, even if you were smaller. You know, and so, um, you know, you could uh, steal a tip. Um, it was actually a skill in the game, was that ability to uh, read the tip and steal it. And um, and I think they've taken something out of the game. Well, thank you very much for joining me on the Dribble Podcast, Andy. Always a pleasure to talk to you and always good to get your insights into the game. So we hope things continue to go well for you with the basketball stuff off the court and the family goes well and we hope the links continue to perform well and you keep enjoying watching them. Thanks, mate. Pleasure. Well, remember, keep logging on to thewest.com.au for all your basketball news. Pick up your copy of The West Australian as well. Thanks to Samantha Rogers for all of her outstanding production work and thanks to Kevin White and Andy Stewart for their time. We'll be back next week for another episode of The Dribble Podcast. Woo!